Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Happy New Year to all you listeners out there, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. For certain, 2020 was a full-on dumpster fire of a year. However, through the enjoyment of our hobby, producing this podcast, and all the ways we've found to connect with each other all over this spinning rock, we have managed to persevere. So, to forge ahead, join us as we kick off this New Year's Day with episode 28 of Plastic Model Mojo. Well, Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year, Mike. How are you doing? Ah, uh, not bad. Surviving the holidays, and uh, I really can't believe that uh, we're uh, putting 2020 in the rearview mirror. Oh Lord! Hopefully, hopefully the sweet meteor of death isn't uh, what awaits us in January, because everybody's assuming 2021 is going to be better, and I sure the heck hope it is. Well, I think it'll be better, but 2020 is going to crop dust its way into the springtime. I'm sure. So. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Well, what's been up in your model sphere since uh, we last recorded an episode? Well, uh, I've been involved in some uh, uh, model room upgrades that I'll mention in more detail in a segment down the road. But uh, my modeling has slowed down a little bit since I ran out of uh, unicorn tears and I'm tracking the package that's bringing mine to me. But uh, in the meantime... I've managed to do a little, although the holidays take a little bit of that uh, wind out. How about you? Well, my holiday modeling has been pretty good, actually. And we'll get to that in the in the benchtop rundown there later. But uh, I've been trying to uh, line out some improvements for Plastic Model Mojo in 2021. And, and I may mention a few, few of those in our special segment, or one or two anyway. But just, just trying to figure out how we can... Uh, improve our game going into our second year. Sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, are you drinking a, a modeling fluid tonight? As a pig's ass pork. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I, I hinted at it in a past episode that I might buy a little something I might not normally buy once the holiday season hit here. And, uh, you know, we we're enjoying that uh, Weller 12 last week, last episode, and we still got a little of that left, but I'm not I'm not partaking of that. We're saving that for another uh, episode of Beer Fairy with some of our friends who haven't had any yet. So that's all, that's on the back burner. But I've picked up another bottle of the Old Forester 1920. And again, it's a little bit outside my preferred price range. So it's not terribly expensive, but it's a rock solid bourbon. It really it's really better than I think some at a more pricey price point anyway. Yeah. Uh, but this one's made a little better because uh, for Christmas, my, my wife got me some new glasses and a rock mold for large cubes. She's kind of helped me step up my model fluid game a bit. Um, I've got a mold that now I can mold two inch cubic solid cubes of ice, two inches. So great, great big ones. Yeah. And she gave me a set of two hand-shaped glasses, and one of these glasses weighs about one and a half pounds. I put it on my postal scale. One and a half pounds of glass, uh, about 0.7 kilograms for those who are not on our English system of measure. But uh, all in all, it keeps things nice and cold. It's a great big rock. Just need one. 
I think that's the way you're supposed to do it, Dave. Yeah, it is. I, I've been looking. I want to get one of those uh, ball ice molds that that molds just a single large ball, perfectly round ball of ice for for that same purpose. But uh, sounds sounds like uh, sounds like your wife treated you right for for Christmas. I think so. What are you enjoying? Well, I'm also doing something a little bit different. Um, I am drinking a Blake's Hard Cider called St. Cherry. It's a cherry hard cider that's been aged in bourbon barrels. The unusual thing for a hard cider is it's about 7% alcohol by volume. So it's a, it's a little hotter than you would expect from most hard ciders. It's, it is definitely on the sour end because of the cherries, but you can taste a little bit of the, the bourbon aging from the, from the bourbon barrels. Not, not something I'd drink every day, probably not something I would normally drink in the winter time, but I am betting in the spring, this is not, this isn't a bad uh, drink and it will definitely get me through this episode. So here's to uh, St. Sherry's, cherry hard cider well uh listener mail just won't let up dave that's good news man that's great news well let's get into it you got it uh we've got an email from mr john allen from uh, lafayette indiana now interesting purdue university is in west lafayette indiana yes it is uh where my wife went to school but anyway he's a, a nurse anesthetist in surg in the surgical world and COVID's had him in the ICU ward as well. So uh, he's been very, very busy and has written to us to tell us that uh, the podcast and modeling in general has been a much needed stress, stress reducer. I'll bet. I bet. Yeah. And, and one of his key points in his modeling endeavors of late has been uh, your quote, or our quote, uh, what's my plan for getting better? And he says this is echoed in his head and he is dived into his uh, dream project of, of most recent anyway, an F4, F14 Tomcat 148 scale. And he says we've inspired him to start knocking out the pre-shading and have given him, given him the confidence to continue learning without fear of mistakes. So That's great news, man. That is, that, if, if nothing else, that is the kind of stuff that keeps me wanting to do Plastic Model Mojo into the future. Well, I agree. And as I get back into my ZIS2 project, I'm kind of thinking the same thing, but we'll get to that later. Uh, last week's or last episode's uh, Countdown to Vegas email from Bob Bulamasaro had a, actually a, a listener mail a, a appended to it. So we'll get into that right now. Um, so from Bob Lamasaro from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, he's curious how many old school modelers are still out there. And he says he refuses to spend more on aftermarket than on the base kit. And, uh, his modeling lesson number one is build clean and error free, and then, uh, go on to paint and weather as, as carefully following on from that. And he's just curious, uh, what we might think of that. So I think there's a lot of old school modelers left out there. Now I, I'm not one to, to latch on to a mantra of not spending more on aftermarket than the base kit because the base kit for me, I've said it before, is just a stepping stone in the path to whatever model subject I want to I want to build. Right. So uh, I, I can I can buy a kit and still accumulate a lot of aftermarket and not sweat that too much. But uh, 
you know, I'll pick and choose. I won't use an entire photo etch set. I won't use an entire resin upgrade. I'll, I'll pick the best parts of that. And if there's stuff I need to do on my own after that, I will continue to go along that route. What, what do you think? You think there's uh, many of these guys left? Oh, yeah. I, I would suspect that the vast majority of modelers are either out of the box or near out of the box builders. I wouldn't say that every model I build is out of the box, but I am willing to bet that at least 50% of them are generally out of the box builds. I don't particularly have anything against aftermarket if it's done well. My big problem with a lot of aftermarket is that it's ill-fitting for the kit that it's supposed to be for. And so basically you are in many cases, buying yourself trouble, buying yourself something that doesn't fit the base kit, and you're creating more work for yourself. So, you know, ultimately at the at the bottom line, it's, you know, build, do what you enjoy. And if, if knocking them out of the box make, makes you happy and you enjoy it, and, and uh, that's, that's what gives you the relaxation that we come to this hobby for, by all means, by the same token, I have no problem with your approach where you buy a box, throw out half the parts, buy some aftermarket, sort through them, and then scratch build 30% of it yourself. Well, I think that's where he's coming coming from. He's 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 not building out of the box. He's he's doing all the aftermarket stuff himself oh, as well, a scratch builder. And, and you know what? Especially in 72nd scale aircraft, I think with a lot of yeah. uh, cockpits, you can do as well in by scratch building as opposed to purchasing a whole bunch of aftermarket, especially if that aftermarket uh, requires a lot of adjustment to fit. Uh, 72nd scale, I think, really does lend itself to that type of of uh, scratch building or that type of detail adding. Uh, and if that's what you get enjoyment out of, by all means do it. Yeah. Well, Bob's a 35th scale armor guy. So I kind of understand where he's coming from. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me say this, you know, we used to have model shows, right? Back in the before time. One thing that I, always impressed me were, were builds where there was a lot of scratch building and, and not so much aftermarket. So I don't know how many got these guys are left out there. Bob's clearly one of them and maybe some of his friends are as well. Um, I'm not sure where I fall on his spectrum, probably closer to him than not, but yeah, I, I would spend more on aftermarket than the base kit. I wouldn't use it all. I was going to say, I do, I do endorse that approach when, when I do acquire aftermarket, it is not uncommon that I will uh, sort through it and decide that I'm, especially stuff like Photo Edge, that I'm just going to use the half of it or a third of it or just the pieces I think actually are improvements over what's on the kit. No, I, I really do. I, I admire people who scratch build. He's also got a modeling fluid suggestion. Now, he mentioned some kind of double shot glass, which I didn't quite understand. Maybe he needs to send me a picture, but... Uh... He fills up one side with Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire Whiskey, which is probably a cinnamon whiskey. Sheelan White Chocolate Liqueur on the other side. That's interesting. 
Hmm. Maybe we'll run into him in Vegas and he can he can buy us one and we can taste it. That does sound interesting. All right, then. Well, moving on. Um, Scott Stokowiak. Uh, Scott, if I got that right, man, I did good. But if I didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I assume he's from Michigan. Pretty good clue. He says he's from the IPMS mid IPMS mid Michigan model makers. So I assume he's from Michigan. Scott appreciates our podcast for the human aspect of just people talking modeling, especially in the time of lockdown. Uh, we can all build and, and absorb ourselves in our solitude sitting at the bench, but uh, the interaction, you know, this is a common theme, right? Um, the interaction, even online or through the podcast, to have folks who are actually talking the subject matter uh, has been a big help for a lot of people, us included, I think. Oh, absolutely. And and for the listeners out there, the fact that we're recording this is kind of secondary. This is, if, if Mike and I are on the phone or we're texting back and forth, it's pretty much this type of conversation anyway. Uh, so it, I, I, I agree with the listener. You can really, with this time of lockdown where you're not able to see your modeling buddies as much and not able to get together, it is great just to sit around and listen to guys talk about models. I mean, that's that's what we all get off on. That's what we all enjoy. Next up is Jesse Escobedo from Maryland. He's written in before, but he chimed in about uh, just missing the uh, death of the hobby episode. And he's an amateur 3D printer and says uh, 3D printing will not kill the hobby. And he goes on to say, uh, do you still buy physical books when you could print it yourself? It's, it's an interesting point. But um, I think where he was going with this is that 3D printing kind of augments the hobby right now it's to be seen i think if it, if it stays that way but uh you know i just 3d printed that chassis for that uh, truck i'm i'm thinking about building and i would not do the whole thing that way but for for the component that i chose to have 3d printed i think it made a a very reasonable uh approach to to try to do that i think it was a it's going to be a we'll talk more about it later but i guess my point is I can see where this part of the project I 3D printed, the rest of it I'm going to do a different way. And it's just all going to kind of meld together in the end. What do you think? I I agree that right now 3D printing's big potential is augmentation, uh, being able to print conversion parts or detail parts. Uh, my, my only concern is the future and as 3D printing gets better and better and better, will will it continue to remain an augmenter of our modeling or will it move toward replacing some or all of it? And, and I hope the answer is no, that it won't, that it will remain augmentation, but I... Uh, I'm not going to bet on what technology does in the future. And by the way, I, while I still do buy physical books, I am buying less and less of them and more and more electronic media, which has a lot of advantages. The ability to zoom in on photos, rotate stuff, carry, uh, you know, a book in your back pocket, a big, reference book basically in your back pocket. So 
Yeah, I still buy books, but the electronic media is moving toward, if not replacing them, at least um, replacing some of them. I still buy quite a few books, but for me, the opportunity to buy one electronic that I I couldn't buy in, in print hasn't really presented itself yet. So still to be seen. Yeah. Up next, Chris Wallace from uh, Model Airplane Maker Forum in Ottawa, up in Canada. Um, he sent us some nice compliments to Plastic Model Mojo and thanks us for all the plugs over the last few episodes. That is completely our pleasure. Chris, we thank you for being our very first guest on Plastic Model Mojo, and we will certainly have you back on here. Uh, he goes on to say he hopes we can meet face-to-face once the show circuit starts back up, and I will uh, echo that and say I really, really look forward to that. We got to get up to Canada, man. We got to make a beer run, a Molson's beer run. We'll take them some beer. Okay. Or no, we'll take them <laughs> bourbon. Please. Yes. Uh, next, it's from your Mosquito Bill group, uh, John Vickis. Is that right? Yep. That's John. Yep. John apparently has been on a quite a bender of not being able to finish stuff and being unmotivated. And uh, he got into our fear and self-loathing episode with uh, Jim Bates and you and I. And uh, we were talking about our fears, our modeling fears and how to overcome them. And uh, he says it's been wonderfully inspiring. And uh, that's good to hear. That was a fun episode. Now he says he's going on to Kentucky Dave in the Shelf of Doom because he has 86 started projects. So, Dave, my friend, you are vindicated. I feel a little bit better. You ought to feel four times better. <laughs> yeah. Well, something about something about that. Uh, yeah, no, he he has. Uh, in fact, uh, I've seen John on the on our uh, monthly Zoom call for the Mosquito Build, and uh, yeah, he pulls out some stuff that has been in in process for. 20 years or more, you know, kits that, that he's been building off and on that have been surpassed by new kits, not just once, but twice by now, but he perseveres. He says, if he gets one, if he gets one to decal, it'll get done, but apparently he hasn't gotten too many to decal phase yet. Well, finally is uh, Don Gilman and uh, no geography there. So, Don, if you could let us know where you're from, we'd appreciate it. Um, anyway, Don asked, what brand of hairspray would we recommend for this hairspray chipping technique? And I got to admit, I've already answered him via email, but I'll say here that uh, I've I've not tried this yet. But the brand, Tresemme number two, I can't remember the whole factor. <laughs> not sure. It matters or not, but uh, Tresemme number two seems to be the go-to. I think uh, Mike Rinaldi latched onto this one, and it worked, and everybody else has kind of followed suit and gravitated toward that without much more experimentation, so that's what I recommended to him, so hope that works out. Yeah, I'm, I've am i never done it before, so uh, I, I again, this is this is just... My suggestion, given that there are now commercially made chipping fluids, I don't know if I wouldn't rather go with something like that that is specifically made for uh, modeling purposes as opposed to uh, going with the hairspray. You're assuming it's not just hairspray decanted into smaller bottles. Uh, no, I'm. You're. You're. 
It certainly could be. And there are certain manufacturers where that's what I would suspect it is. But I'm still not sure that I wouldn't go with the already decanted hairspray sold by, you know, one of these model manufacturers, if nothing else, for convenience, as opposed to having to decant it yourself already. Um, I mean, because you don't spray it out of the spray can, you know, out of the But they do. Can. That's it. They, they do spray it out of the spray can. I would, I'd be worried about the control that you'd have over that. I, apparently it's pretty forgiving. I, I don't know. I, I've not done it. I, I have not either. One for the model bucket list. Yep, definitely. Well, that, that wraps up the listener mail for the last couple of weeks. And still, that's quite a bit. So always yeah. encouraging. So if you want to write the show, send us a question, a comment, critique, praise, whatever you want. We'll take it all. Uh, you can send those to plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com, or you can come through the Facebook instant or Facebook page and using the, using the Facebook messaging format or system, you can, you can send it, send us a email that way as well. So there you go. Well, while, while you uh, are taking a moment and thinking about emailing us, if you would also take a moment and go to whatever podcasting app you're listening to us on and give us a five-star rating. We would appreciate it. Uh, it helps drive up the visibility of our podcast. So uh, that's a favor that you can do for us, and we appreciate it. And also, tell a friend. If you've got a modeling friend who hasn't been listening to podcasts, please, if you enjoy this podcast, recommend it. Help, help them get a podcast uh, app on their phone or whatever or on their computer and, uh, you know, help, help us out to find new listeners because new listeners means new interactions and more enjoyment and more mojo for everybody. And while you're doing that, there is a host of podcasts you can also check out in addition to Plastic Model Mojo. Also in the United States is Plastic Posse Podcast with Scott, Doug, and TJ. Those guys have have uh, wandered into double digits now, so please check those guys out. They've got a good show. Scale Model Podcast out of Canada with Stuart Clark and his roving band of co-hosts. So n- no telling what you're going to get for the next episode. Always, always some good programming there. On the Bench out of Australia is up to episode 100. You're going to want to check that out with Dave, Julian, and Ian. That's quite a landmark, quite a quite an accomplishment. 100 episodes. That's yeah. a long time making there, uh, and we're all going to enjoy that in the, in the coming months, I think. So please check that one out as well. And out of the UK, just making conversation is, is uh, up to their third episode. Interesting show as well. Please check that one out. And coming up January 7th is a yet another podcast out of the uh, United States called model geeks. And I look forward to seeing what those guys got going on. I've, I've talked to one of the uh, principals with that podcast. We had a nice conversation uh, last week and it seems like they're big fans of our show and all the others, and uh, hopefully they'll just join in the family here and uh, provide many hours of content for everybody out there listening. Well, uh, I'd like to take this moment, as I usually do, to uh, ask that if you're not a member of IPMS USA or your national chapter, wherever you happen to be listening to us, if you take a moment and go to ipmsusa.org or to the 
web page of your own national IPMS chapter and consider joining. Uh, IPMS is a great organization, uh, does a lot to promote modeling, and uh, it's well worth the, the money to join your national chapter and give them your support. We'd also like to mention a few blogs and YouTube friends we've got. Uh, we mentioned Chris Wallace before in Listener Mail, but his model Airplane Maker blog is always worth checking out. A Scale Canadian TV from our friend Jim Bates. Uh, Jim's out of uh, Washington State, out on the West Coast. And a new one from our often contributor, Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Frets, a, a new blog that's uh, really worth checking out as well. So uh, if you like to read or like to watch, uh, you'll be want to you'll be sure to want to check those out. Let's count down to Vegas, Dave. All right, I cannot wait, man. Well, at the time of this recording, we are 231 days away from the 2021 IPMS National Convention in extravagant Las Vegas, Nevada. Hallelujah! I just talked to Bob this afternoon. There's still trophy sponsorships available, so get on the convention website and see what's left. And if you're a club or organization, business, or as an individual want to sponsor a trophy package, please check that out. Bob also says that there are only 33 vendor tables left to sell for the convention floor. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. The biggest news, though, is they've pushed out registration, uh, pre-registration until op- from uh excuse me until april 1st and they're trying to clear the covid is what they're trying to do registration has been pushed out till april 1st so please check that out on the website and uh you're gonna have to wait a little while longer but hopefully hopefully it's all be behind us by then and uh you can pre-register and be on your way i highly recommend when pre-registration opens you definitely want to pre-register uh, there's so much to do at an IPMS USA National Convention. You don't want to spend your time standing in line to register on site. Uh, it's a great time saver if you will pre-register, and uh, that'll give you more time in the vendor room. Well, for me, the, the local school board here has published their 2021 calendar, which makes things a bit more possible for me on my end. There's still a lot of uh, water to go under the bridge yet. We're still a ways off, but uh, the uh, the show dates do not coincide with the exact start of school in my local geography, which is, which is a good thing. That's good news indeed. Mike, have you been uh, building much lately? I've been building a lot, Dave. I guess the biggest news is on the E16A1 Paul my float plane. Mm-hmm. I've been working on getting the floats attached over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, actually that was my, uh, my holiday goal was to, uh, over my, my time off work was to actually get the floats attached to the airplane. I've had a lot of slow and careful work to get all the struts aligned and it's really paid off because, uh, once I got the struts on the airplane and set up glued and permanently mounted, they all, all four mounting points just dropped into the floats in my fixture. Beautiful. So it, it all lined up. Uh, I got a little filling left to do around the spats or the boots where the, uh, where the floats, where the struts meet the floats. Uh, other than that, they're, they're permanently mounted now. So they're not coming off. Hopefully I've got some brass cannon barrels for the wings and, you know, 
I've got to decide whether I'm going to put bombs on the on the bomb mounts or the hard points or not. I probably will. Uh, I've repositioned the uh, the rear machine gun so it'll slip under the rear canopy glass. So I'm going to pose it with the uh, forward section closed, the rear section open, but w- with the still with the glass, the tapered glass section on the back of the the canopy still still on the aircraft. So in retrospect. From a construction from a construction standpoint, this is actually probably the cleanest build I've ever pulled off. Uh, I've simply taken a lot of time and a lot of care to get things right and to take my time filling and sanding and priming back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just really, really pleased with the way this the the plane looks right now in its raw form without paint is is really really a clean build. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. And, you know, I, I think up front, we talked about this being out of the box, so it's kind of out of the box ish. <laughs> you made your own photo etch. It is not out of the box ish. <laughs> so it's got my PE dive brakes on it. So yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Some modest cockpit detailing. Uh, I've hollowed out the exhaust flares. That wasn't, yeah, that's kind of hard, but that's worth worth the work, I think. Yes. And a little bit, a little bit of uh, nondescript kind of photo etch perforated mesh I used in the front end of the oil cooler. The, that really helped that along quite a bit, I think. So, um, yeah. So out of the box ish, dive breaks aside, could have done a lot more. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, man. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? <laughs> 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 oh, the the Zis two anti tank gun. I've started pin washing the split trail again. I haven't gotten very far. I've done maybe the 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 front shield on the lower part. That's been about it. The focus has been on the E sixteen. I haven't done a whole lot on the on the Zis two. Trying to change that. It's back on the bench though, so we'll hopefully see that move forward. And the uh, the Hungarian truck, the Reba Botan. Not a lot of new work on this one, really. Um, I'm trying to really formulate the next steps and how I want to proceed with that. Now the 3d printing turned out pretty darn nice. Uh, I'm happy with the resolution of the parts. I'm happy with the strength and rigidity. I think they'll work. I just got to kind of figure out what I want to do next with that. So that's kind of my benchtop report. What about you? Well, my benchtop has not seen quite as much action. Um, uh, given the holidays, which always tend to be a, a, a drag on my modeling just due to, you know, holiday obligations and such. But uh, my real problem is that I committed the cardinal sin of running out of uh, Mr. Color Leveling Thinner, or Unicorn Tears as it's known. Uh, I usually have a bottle and a backup bottle, and in not paying attention, I had used my first bottle and gone to my backup bottle and then used the backup bottle without realizing I didn't have a backup. So you can learn from my shame that uh, I failed to to plan adequately. And just as I was getting ready to paint the M30, put on the, the, the base green color, uh, I found myself without unicorn tears and I wasn't going to move forward with it without them. So I had to go locate them. And by the way, they're not quite as easy to locate as you might think. Uh, uh, But with the help of Jim Bates, I found a a very good price on uh, 
on it, and I ordered a couple of bottles. So while that's, well, I've been waiting for those to come in, and uh, according to my tracking, I just checked the UPS tracker, and they're up in northern Kentucky, so I should have them in my hands the next day or so. I have done a little bit of work on the Mosquito. Uh, uh, My main focus, though, in the last week or so has been upgrading my model room itself. I have a laptop computer that I keep in my uh, model room, and it takes up space on my bench. And that that become a little bit of an issue. Now, I've got an office where I could keep my computer in my office, but I, I use my computer a lot when I'm modeling. You know, I'll either watch a YouTube or I'll go look for reference or whatever. Like on the M30, I'll be looking at the prime portal pictures of the M30 to because I don't know what half the stuff on this artillery piece is, so I don't know how it should look. So, you know, it's it's really important for me to have the laptop in the model room, but I don't want it on the bench taking up room. So I got a uh, item from a company called Mounted, believe it or not, that is a retractable, Uh, adjustable computer shelf on a slide so that when I'm using it, I can pull it out, pull the slide out, raise the, raise the computer desk uh, portion, lock it all in place and access my laptop. In fact, that's where it is right now where we're recording. Then as soon as I'm done with it, I put my laptop to sleep. I lower the shelf I slide it back and it goes all the way back under the the model bench, which means that all of that space that was being occupied by a laptop computer is now restored to being modeling space. And uh, uh, that's been helpful. Additionally, you can start another project. Yes, I can start. Well, no, actually, uh, I moved the mosquito back to the bench. So, yeah. The other thing is that uh, my wife and I, we have cats and dogs, and my modeling room is in the basement, which is where the air handling equipment is, which means that pet hair tends to get drawn down into the basement. Well, my door had a, the door to my model room had a gap under it, and of course, some pet hair drifted in. As we all know, hair is the bane of all modelers. Uh, simply because it always ends up in your paint job and you don't see it until after you've finished your paint job. So in an attempt to try and keep my model room a little bit more pet hair free, I got what's called a door sweep that you attach to the bottom of your door. And it's basically just a piece of rubber that brushes along the floor and, and makes a solid seal at the bottom of your door so you don't have that gap. So I've upgraded my model room. I should have my unicorn tiers in the next day or so. I've got the mosquito back on the bench because I made space for it. So while I haven't made a lot of progress in the last two weeks, I am primed to make a lot of progress in the next two weeks. Well, in two weeks, we'll see what happens. (laughs) <laughs> big talk misters this it's it's the holiday season so we'll see how you compare to me did anything break your wallet since the last time we ran this uh this segment 
Uh, well, actually, uh, again, most of the stuff that has been like this computer mount for my model room and the door sweep. Then I had to order the uh, uh, the Mister uh, Color Leveling Thinner, the Unicorn Tier. So those all contributed. The only direct modeling thing, I guess, that broke my wallet was uh, Skill Reproductions, our local hobby shop, uh, got in the new Zvezda C-130s. And uh, <laughs> now one of them is sitting in my, in my model room. I don't know how that happened. It's a lot of airplane. That is a ton of airplane. It is a big kit, and it's beautifully molded. I mean, I've, of course, gotten it out and fondled the, the sprues. Uh, they clearly designed it well. They've clearly designed it for multiple versions. Um, uh, you know, the thing is is such a common aircraft across Air Forces today. There's almost an endless array of builds that you can do. I mean, the, the Air National Guard units alone would take you a lifetime. So oh, I was yeah. ha- I was happy to acquire that, but that's the only true direct model thing that I got in the last two weeks. How about you? Uh, not much, man. Only Christmas broke my wallet. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I'm there for you. Well, I I must say that we did, we've we've done better than past years, and I think it was a, a tribute to uh, early shopping, which I credit the wife for. Uh, discouraged travel, which I credit COVID for. Uh, it was just a lot quieter, but nice, you know, not a lot of going, not a lot of going on for the holidays. Just me and the immediate family, no new modeling purchases since the last segment. So I, I haven't bought anything in the last two weeks for, for scale modeling. You're going to get your modeling man card revoked. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll make up for it in the coming two weeks. How about that? Well, actually, I, I've got to say I made up for it for you because I forgot to um, uh, I forgot to, one other thing that I had helped break my wallet. Um, Creations Unlimited, the folks who make the Flexafile, mm-hmm. uh, I went to their site and I ordered uh, some sand, micro sandpaper, some sanding sticks. Uh, uh, some various things that I had run out of, some of their sanding tapes. Um, so I put together an order and ordered that, and it's also on my way. So knowing that you were not supporting the hobby the way that it it needed to be supported in this holiday time, <laughs> I went out and spent some extra money just just to make up for what you you lacked. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, that's hey. What can I say? I'm I'm that kind of guy. I guess so. Well, our special segment tonight is uh, Big Trouble in Little Lexington. Our plans for 2021. (laughs) So, Dave, we've often spoken of our old lists on this podcast that we used to trade back and forth back in uh, earlier times. Typically, those were top 10 lists of future projects. Like either of us was going to finish 10 models in a year. Well, <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. Uh, despite that reality, uh, we kind of changed it up this year and 
kind of based on the experiences of the last year doing this podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why we did this. We have a new list. And this new list is kind of uh, the top three items across four separate categories that uh, we hope to uh, engage in as 2021 rolls out. These categories for 2021 are our top three projects in our preferred scale and genre, our top three projects outside our preferred scale and genre, our top three products, techniques, or skills to use, attempt, or improve upon in 2021, and three things we'd like to do in our model sphere outside of our actual modeling activity. So let's see what kind of trouble we're headed into for 2021. Okay. Do you want to start? Uh, I'll start by prompting you. Okay. For the first category area of top three projects in our preferred scale and genre, uh, what are your three projects? All right. Well, now keep in mind, this doesn't include anything that is currently in process. It is a given that the stuff that I've got on my model bench is going to be finished. Uh, but this is the top three things that I I want to finish in my scale and genre in 2021. Um, number one is the Trumpeter TU-128, uh, giant Soviet bomber interceptor. That kit, I have a, a great interest in Russian and Soviet aircraft. I've wanted a model of that forever. Uh, a model came out with one, and then Trumpeter came out with one. So there's no excuse for me not doing it, and it also will play into something that we'll mention later in this special segment. But my number one is the Trumpeter TU-28, or TU-128. My number two is the um, Fujimi or find or the Fujimi KI-43-1, uh, the initial model of the KI-43. Uh, one of my areas of interest is Japanese aircraft, uh, particularly the Dutch East Indies early war stuff, uh, where the KI-43 uh, uh, initial version was used a lot. Uh, there's a great kit of it. Uh, I started one a long time ago and never finished it, um, and I'm not sure what happened to that one. But it's it's a uh, it's a high on my list, and so I wanted to, to commit in 2021 that I'm gonna I'm gonna finish that. And my third one is uh, an Edward Mig 21. Haven't decided which one. Haven't decided what markings, but. Edward has done this series of MiG-21s that I was super excited about when they announced them, then when they finally came out. They are fantastic models. They're great looking. They're, people have built them up and really love them. Uh, the MiG-21 is maybe just behind the MiG-17 for me for uh, uh, favorite jet aircraft. And so... I've got a number of these kits, and it's time to start to get building them. So, Mike, uh, what are your top three uh, top three models in your preferred scale and genre? I want to build a BM-13N Katusha rocket launcher system. 
And this is kind of a, a hodgepodge kit bash cross kit kind of thing. Um, I want to take the Hobby Boss ZIS 5, which is a two axle truck, and convert it to this ZIS 6, which is the three axle truck, which is the one used for the rocket launcher. Uh, that's not too tough in itself. The truck frames are the same length. Uh, everything's the same except the fact that the, the rear position has two axles instead of one. Uh, in addition, they have a post-war BM13N Katusha. Uh, it's one of the Zill trucks. I can't remember which one. It's, it's, it's the same It's the same model as the old Itulary kit, which is a post-war, post-war right. truck. Uh, but, but the rocket launcher system off that kit is the, a, identical to the World War II version. So you kind of see where I'm going here. I want, I want to use the, the ZIS-5 converted to a 6 uh, and take the, uh, the post-war BM-13 kit and use the rocket launcher system off it, cross-kit it back to the converted six three-axle truck, and use a few pieces from the old uh, Allen Hobbies. Ooh. Zis 6 Katusha uh, to make it all happen. The, uh, I think the, uh, the rear section for the rocket launcher mount and the rear fenders is going to be a salvageable part from that kit to make a, to make a, a trifecta kit kit bash i guess you would say for horse racing fans um to pull that off i'm i'll probably use the royal models the you know the resin company out of italy yeah uh they make some katusha rockets which are resin molded in one piece which kind of uh really get rid of the uh the seam filling and a lot of the hard ugly work that's involved if you were to use the kit rockets from either either the hobby boss kit, or even if you went back and grabbed the rockets out of the old Itulary kit, they're, they're kind of the same way, two halves and a bunch of extra tail fins. Just a, just a bad way to go. In my opinion, uh, my, my second potential project for next year is a, a, a Ponserver for 42. Uh, this is, uh, um, on the Maltier half track mount. Uh, I've got the Itulary kit, which is kind of old at this point. I remember when it first came out, so I'm I'm kind of feeling sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that kit so long. Uh, back to Bob Lomasaro's listener mail. Um, I've got just about every aftermarket set available to upgrade that it- Itulary kit. So I've got a lot of duplication as far as, you know, which front wheels I'm going to use, which brake drums am I going to use, which uh, whatever else am I going to use. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. Uh, hopefully, I can navigate that. That's, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting build for me. I've always wanted to do this vehicle, and I, I, it's just kind of waiting in the wing to be done. Lastly is a T3485 of, of some device. I'm not sure which one. I kind of like the... Uh, the the uh, Ryfields kit, I'm kind of excited about the Mini Art kit. Neither one of those is really the version of the T3485 I really want to do. Uh, however, uh, I'm just I'm kind of tempted to, to start one. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do there yet, but I think a T3485 is kind of on my on my radar for 2021. Well, it is the it is the the year of the T34 after all. Uh, now, I do want to point out something. Having invoked the name Allen, you now have to go, I think, by law, 
do a sacrifice to the Tamiya modeling gods to to purge the 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 bad juju from having brought up an Allen kit. I've got quite a few Allen kits in the stash, Dave. I would I would think after your SU seventy six experience, you would not be able to utter the name Allen without without some sort of involuntary shiver. Well, it's it's all uphill from there. <laughs> or down maybe downhill. downhill yeah. I mean, so. Either one. <laughs> yes, it gets better from there. Eh, you may be right. Time will tell. We'll see. See if that project gets started. Well, what are you thinking about outside of your preferred genre of 72nd scale aircraft? Well, uh, I'm looking at uh, two 72nd scale subs and a 35th scale, well, let's call it a tankette. Uh, first, uh, I've got the Fine Molds uh, Type A Japanese mini sub. These are the subs that were used in the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, Fine Molds also makes versions for use, the ones that were used to attack uh, Sydney Harbor, uh, ones that were used to attack uh, uh, Madagascar or Ceylon. Uh, and uh, I, I've, I've had the kit for a number of years. I've wanted to build it, uh, having built the little uh, bibber this year. Uh, I want to build the another mini sub. This is, of course, significantly larger and more complex, but it's a great kit. So that's uh, that's number one on my list out of out of my genre. Number two is the uh, DOS Work U9. Um, I, I wanted that thing and wanted <laughs> to build that the moment they announced it. I mean, that sucker hit my sweet spot like no model has in a long time. So I probably won't start building it right when it comes out because I am willing to bet that very quickly following on to that kit, there will be some aftermarket. And I kind of want to. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, and I want to kind of see, kind of want to see what develops in that regard before I uh, commit to the full build. So that probably will be later in the year. Uh, even though the the kit itself is supposed to be out in January, but I do want to build it. It's just it's got it's wicked cool. It has all sorts of potential for weathering. Um, so just the moment they announced it, I, that one that one hit me right between the eyes. So that one's definitely going to be a buy and build in the in the year it comes out. Number three is. Uh, the little Polish TKS tankette, which Mike, being my armor guru, tells me is one of the few buildable items for in 35th scale from the 1939 Polish campaign. Uh, and I think it's the IBG kit, is it not? It is. It's a good, and, good little kit. And, and I've, the, the, Pol- the 1939 Polish campaign is definitely an, Underappreciated, understudied, undermodeled uh, area. Uh, I have a great interest in it. Uh, I've got to say, I enjoyed uh, or have enjoyed so far the M30 that Mike got me to build. And so I want to kind of branch out a little bit. This is still relatively small, 
and I, I'm I'm hoping to it'll be the first armor true armor piece I've built since I built the T34 probably 20 year, 20 plus years ago so I'm anxious to to take a run at an actual quote unquote tank well I've got that kit and I, I think if you get if you pick that up you're gonna enjoy it it's it's you know one of the mirages somebody did those kits years ago yeah but the but the IBG kit is just so much better you're gonna you're gonna like that so so pick it up man I definitely give it, will. Give it a go. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I don't. I don't know if my three are in order of of pre- preference, but uh, I want to build an Arado uh, AR one ninety six float plane on a catapult, and the catapult being on the Sharnhorse rear turret. I really, really want to build this project. Uh, I'm really, really excited about it. I, I have been for a long time. The problem is I can't find the turret kit. Now, this would be involve uh, the Sword Arado AR-196, which is probably the best kit out there right now. Well, you know, if I were you, I might buy both the Sword and the Heller and take a look at them because I know your propensity for wanting to take a model and use it as a starting point. And if you're going to do that, I think you might benefit from having both both the old heller kit and the sword kit well i may do that i've been wanting to pick up that heller kit for just to have another one for whatever reason for another project the problem is i can't find the model collect turret i can't find that stinking uh fortress uh ostrot boxing of that kit anywhere it's out of production now that's not exactly true you can find it it's just the price that people want for it is not exactly what you want to pay. Uh, well, that that's true. I don't want to pay two hundred dollars for that, <laughs> that turret. <laughs> it's I cannot believe those things are are that in demand. Well, I've tried to find. I'll find it eventually. It's just a matter of it's patience and perseverance. I'll I'll get there. Next on the list is uh, a Sikorsky SH three D Seeking. Uh, old, old 66, old number 66 from the Apollo missions, uh, dragon just, it just came out. So the Asian, the Asian sellers have this kit on eBay. Now it's, it's the dragon boxing of the cyber hobby Sikorsky, uh, 3d seeking, mm-hmm. uh, with the markings for the, all the Apollo missions. It comes with the, uh, reentry capsule and the balloons and the raft and all that stuff. So kind of a vignette or a diorama in a box. And I don't know, I've, since, since childhood, I've, I've always gravitated toward that, those pictures, the color pictures of that thing, old 66, uh, flying over the, the modules floating in the middle of the ocean and always been inspired and intrigued by that. So I don't know, this is another 72nd scale aircraft project. I think I'm really interested in, in, uh, in having a go at. Well, I, I admire you for taking that on because helicopters scare even me. They're just, they're so different from building a 72nd scale aircraft. So I'm I'm interested to see you do that. And third, uh, n- not a scale diversion, but a genre diversion, sort of. I want to build Pit Road's triple 20 millimeter anti-aircraft gun. Uh, Japanese Imperial Japanese Navy, 
and I want to build the uh, the surround, the uh, the actual fitment to the ship, you know, the immediate area around it with the ammo lockers and the and the the platform and all that. And I've I've got a I've I've got the aftermarket set for the kit. I, I don't have the kit yet, but uh, this this is one uh, I've always admired or. I've always been interested in uh, building that kit, but uh, Inchai guy sent me those books, and it kind of really raised the bar on, uh, or really piqued my interest in in uh, not only building the gun, but what's around the gun in the media area on on a whatever whatever Japanese ship because this is a widely used piece of armament. Yep. Well, hopefully we'll get to we'll we'll be going to model contests again, and you'll get to see Inch, and you can either thank him or blame him as you as you see fit, and give him his books back. Yeah, well, that too. Thank you, Inchai. It's been a, a pleasure perusing those books. I appreciate the generosity. I'll I'll get those back to you at some point. <laughs> He's a great guy. Moving on to. Uh, products, techniques, or skills you want to try or attempt or improve upon in 2021. What do you got? Believe it or not, this is the easiest one for me to to uh, make my decisions and come up with my three. I really, one of the things in 2020, and I mentioned it in regard to the AS1, which was my true first true bare metal finish. I really am driven to try and improve some skills in 2021. Uh, One of the, or in fact, two of them are are related. Uh, I want to improve my bare metal finish, my my metal representing a a bare metal aircraft. Uh, Related to that, I want to improve my rescribing. The AS-1, I enjoyed it. It's far from a perfect model, uh, but it it did pique my interest in getting better in those two areas because I can look at it and I know the places that I failed to succeed and why I failed to succeed and, and where my weaknesses are. The TU-128 that I mentioned at the at the top of this special segment is a big Russian aircraft, and there are no camouflage schemes for it. It operated in bare metal its entire existence. So not only if I wanted to do a TU-128, but by doing one, I will force myself, because I'll have no options, to force myself to do a bare metal finish, and as part of that... To do a good one, I'm going to have to get better at rescribing. And that means going back over again and again and again, repeating stuff. And if it doesn't work out, not just blowing by it, but going back and saying, okay, this didn't work. I need to fix this before I move on. So it's it's a little bit of a bare metal boot camp for me. So bare metal uh, finish and rescribing are two are two of the three items that I want to to improve my skills with, and the third one is actually related to the M thirty project is uh, weathering. You know, we all watch the Uncle Night Shift videos and we admire what he's done, and I building this M thirty gives me you know I could just 
build it straight and not do much uh, to try and weather it and and call it a day. But I'm I'm inspired to try to go the extra mile to try some of the techniques that I see Uncle Night Shift or Panzermeister thirty six or some of these guys on the on the YouTube. I'm I'm inspired to push my skills. Now, again, the first time you do anything, the odds are it's not going to come out exactly the way you want it. But again, your plan for getting better has to involve trying those things and and doing something. So the weathering and particularly the weathering chipping and wash techniques that that you're seeing out on the Armor YouTube channels is what I want to develop as more of a skill in uh, in 2021. What techniques or or things are you looking at? Before we get to me, let's 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 talk about this a little bit. I, I assume the 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 rescribing kind of folds back into the bare metal finish project. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because if you don't, bare metal, one of the things about bare metal is, or simulating a bare metal finish is that what you're applying the finish to has to be perfect, glass perfect. If if your rescribing is not up to snuff, it stands, once you apply the bare metal finish, the alclad finish over it, it just leaps out at you. Whereas in a, you know, dark three-tone camouflage, you might be able to, uh, you know, bury your rescribing flaw in in the paint scheme and it won't stand out because it's a flat, you know, uh, maybe a dark color and it's a flattish paint scheme. So the rescribing error doesn't stand out as much if you, if you, don't look for it. Whereas on a bare metal finish, you're going to see it from six feet away because bare metal accentuates that. So in order to do a good bare metal finish, I have to up my rescribing skills. And what's that going to involve? Uh, a lot of trial and error, uh, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of tears, um, uh, I'm going to, it's going to involve more than anything, not being satisfied with okay. Because again, on a non-bare metal finish, a lot of times you can be satisfied with okay. Whereas to do a really good bare metal finish, you can't do that. You've got to go back and, and, you know, if that line does not look right, fix it, which involves filling it, sanding it, scribing again, and, you know, doing stuff over and over again. It's a, it's a matter of, I don't want to say perfection because you'll never get to perfection, but it's a matter of not accepting just okay. Well, I asked because on my E16, Paul, there's been some rescribing because I, I sanded the crap out of certain things and it, certain details went away. So for you though, is it, do you have a set of tools you're comfortable with that you want to master to get the results you want? Are you still trying to explore what it's going to take to get to the scribe level that you want? How about both? 
Fair enough. I do have a set of tools, uh, the UMM scribers that I really, really like. I also have some other scribing tools uh, that also I have used in the past and like. I'm open to exploring what else is out there. Uh, listeners, if you've got any advice or any any magic tool, uh, let me know about it. I'm willing to try it out. But I think it's probably going to be as much in the skill in using the tool. It's very much, and this is just what I think. I may be wrong. We'll find out. I think rescribing is a whole lot like airbrushing. You can read about it. You can talk about it. You can, you can do all of those things. But the only way to really get better at it is do it and do it yep. and do it some more. I think you're right. Of all the things I'm I'm looking at in 2021, I'll tell you, rescribing probably scares me the most because I I think it's going to be the most difficult to get right. It's probably the biggest lifter of your game, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My top three. I want to continue to explore this homebrew photo etch. I think uh, the dive breaks on the E16 came out pretty respectable they're not perfect but they're way better than the kit parts even if, even though the photo etch isn't perfect uh i think a lot of it is it's not so much it's in the technique it's in in the, how i'm printing them the the artwork is 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 what it is right it's yeah I, i've done it all in cad it's mathematically perfect it's just a matter of is the printer i'm using good enough can I improve my game there? And then what does it take to do a, an etch from both sides? Not just a single side etch, which is what the die breaks were. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, I also want to incorporate uh, vacuform elements into a project in 2021, maybe. I've, I've got something in mind. Um and the reason I, I'm interested in this is that I ways back, uh, my dad was my dad was a dentist, and it's kind of why I kind of get into Paul Budzik's videos because Paul Budzik's a dentist, and I kind of I really understand where he's coming from because my dad had all these same tools and techniques for what he was doing in his career, and we we would go down to the dentist's office after hours, and if I had a model project, we might try something, and one of these was he had a dental vacuum machine. He would use to make uh, impression trays and, and mouth guards and stuff like that. And I made a few things on it for scale modeling. And I, I really want to try to use vacuum forming again in a scale model project, but kind of get, get a little further down the road from what I used to do in the past. And I, I like vacuum forming because you can produce a fairly complex shape and at the end of the process it's plastic right so yeah. there's no there's no media problem there's no adhesion problem or painting problem at the end of it it's styrene so i think it's going to be this reba botan truck project is where i'm going to try to implement it and uh, the part i have in mind is the the pan under the radiator and the motor mount at the front of the chassis would be an ideal candidate for a vacuform part in 35th scale. So that's kind of what I got in mind for that one. 
in addition to that, uh, and I'm kind of already down the a little bit down the road on this. Uh, I want to incorporate 3D printing or laser cut elements into some in, into a project in the future. Here, I've kind of already 3D printed a chassis for the Rainbow Botan truck, so maybe I'm ahead of the game. I don't know. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions about those things. Sure. One. Do any of your three projects or six projects, uh, three in your scale and genre and three outside, do any of them, do you envision needing homebrew photo etch for any of them? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the the BM-13 Katusha, possibly. I could find something there to photo etch. The Panzerwerfer 42, definitely not. There's, I've already got like three different photo etch sets for that. So I'm not, I'm not going to be making any more. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, those are my three kind of, you know, the Rebo Botan is not even on that list. I guess it would right. be number four, right? Cause it's kind of a, the three projects for 2021 are, are ones that I could, in theory, finish in 2021. Right. The the Rebo the Botan is not one I, I think I would actually finish in 2021. This is going to be a project that kind of rolls out and it's going to be kind of a long-term kind of long-term thing. So I, I, I certainly see photo etch and, and vacuum form in that project. Of course, I've already done the, the, the 3d printing. So I don't know. I think, uh, I've got, uh, if that project is, if the Rebo Botan is number four, or one, two, or three, if it if it uh, replaces one of the others, I could do I could do all these things on that project. Yeah. So th- yeah. that makes me rethink. That makes me rethink my entire list. <laughs> Great, glad to help. Uh, you mentioned your dad being a dentist and the dental vacuform machine. I don't know if you've noticed in catalogs now that thing is sold widely as a it, the exact thing that your father had in his office, the blue. Vacuform, yeah. you know, for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, the, those things are. Uh, you can pick them up for about a hundred bucks off Amazon or at now. Micromark will charge you a little more, uh, but yeah, those things are widely available and now used a lot in the modeling hobby. So, in fact, about a year ago, I considered acquiring one myself. I ultimately didn't, but uh, it's it's still out there on my radar. Well, don't worry about it because I'll end up with one. <laughs> See, that's what I was counting on. <laughs> I'll end up with one, and we'll 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 pull your parts on it as well. Sounds great. Moving on, three things you'd like to do in your model sphere outside of your normal builds. So this is anything remotely scale modeling related that is not building a model so what do you got well number one i suspect well i know because i've seen it is both on both your and my list uh i want to do pmm plastic model mojo remote at a show i would like to set up on a table at a show and do a a not live but a recorded live show from from a model show where we can grab people uh, and and do quick interviews. We can have people who listen to us come by, say hi, put a name with a face. Uh, the last model show I went to was Indy last year, 
And of all the things I've missed in 2020, uh, I think one of the things that hit my hobby the hardest was not not going to shows and interacting with guys face to face and and trolling the model room or the vendor room and then going in and looking at the models. So I am super anxious to do a remote Plastic Model Mojo podcast. I want to learn video editing. Uh, I love watching. Thank God. I don't want to do it. Uh, well, I've gotten my assignment for the year, guys. Um, I watch I watch the guys do the all the YouTube stuff and super impressed. And while I, I don't want to do what they do, I do think the ability to make some small, short videos uh, that tie into what you and I talk about on Plastic Model Mojo would be cool. Um, Heck, it it would be cool just to do a short virtual tour, uh, video tour of each of our model spaces and then see everybody else's as well, hopefully. So, oh, yeah. It's something I do want to learn. It's a it's a skill I want to learn. I've uh, acquired a couple of things that I, I think will help me do that. So stay tuned for 2021. I'm gonna gonna try. And then number three is I I, have, I do want to get or have made some plastic model mojo for one of a better word merchandise. Not really merchandise, but things like a. Uh, PMM coaster, like we have a coaster for our uh, local model club, and maybe Plastic Model Mojo bourbon tumbler with the Plastic Model Mojo logo engraved into it. Why, why, why would we do that? It'd be nice to have those, you know, uh, a, do something as simple as when we have a guest on. You know, give them that as 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 Johnny used to say as parting gifts, but as a consolation prize. Yeah, consolation (laughs) prize. A thank you for coming on the show for for you know and for members of the community that help us as well. I'd I'd like to have those available. It's not like merchandise, merchandise, but uh, uh, swag. I guess is the more common term for something like that. So I'd like to at least look into doing some of that. What What do you want to do in the model sphere? Well, like you, I, my, my list says record live from as many regional shows as possible. And I, I think, God, once this COVID thing's a, a bad memory and we can go out and we can go to Indy and we can go to Dayton and we can go to nashville or wherever i just i want to hit the road with this thing and we've already got the equipment for the most part and bring these shows to more people and just have a good time and and add a whole nother layer to the uh invitational or regional model show scene i think that would be just a brilliant thing to do there's an area where to video ties back into that i would love not only to do a live show or recorded live show at a model contest, but have an accompanying five minute video where you, it ties to the, the recorded episode 
And, you know, if we're talking about a particular model at the show and how we're impressed by it, have a video with that in it. Uh, Talk about a particular vendor and what he's got available or interview that vendor, a little video of that vendor's area. So I think things can tie together. Well, on the the thread of video, uh, my number two is to begin a kind of a semi-regular, I don't want to commit to doing it every week or whatever, but um, Facebook Live, a, a weekend live feed, because you know, it's, it's been kind of sporadic, but you know, sometimes it's been Friday night, sometimes it's been Saturday night, but the, the live from Kentucky, it's Friday night or Saturday night. Some of those have been a lot of fun because we'll catch, you know, 10, 12, 15 people online and the banter just goes on for, for, for hours. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. And I think if, if, if we could incorporate a video element to that, your bench and my bench, live on on a weekend night and have just have everybody coming through and and chatting and, and having a good time i think that would would be a, a really cool thing so that's that's on my list my third one is a little more personal um i i want to i would really like to do an article finally it's, it's been something i've always wanted to do so i think for IPMS journal, maybe I, I, will, I will submit something in 2021 and then uh maybe maybe it goes somewhere after that i don't know Fine scale, I don't know, but uh, IPMS Journal for for a starter, it's, it's just uh, I've I've started a few articles and never finished them and never submitted them, and it's just gotten easier. But the photo aspect has gotten so much easier than you know fifteen twenty years ago, where you actually had to have developed print photographs to send send in with your article. Absolutely, and I know Chris would appreciate it. Well, we'll we'll see what we can do. You got it. So. Uh... Mike, it looks like we're getting toward the end of the episode. Do you have uh, any shout-outs for, for the episode? Actually, I have a lot of shout-outs, so we'll, we'll go back and forth here. I'll, I'll do mine, you can do yours, and I'll, I'll do another one or a couple more. Uh, All right. First off, as I've been doing the last two episodes, I, I want to, to shout-out to the, the show supporters. Um, since the last episode, we've got a host of new ones. Uh, we've got quite a few. Uh, contributing to the financial support of Plastic Model Mojo, we'd like to thank uh, Eric Kinzer, John Sachs, Mark Medwell, Mark Box, John Vickus, Joe Portia, and Matt O'Meara. It's like seven, seven since the last yep. episode. And guys, I cannot thank you enough. It is completely flattering that you think enough of our production to vote with your wallet and send us money to further this podcast. It is just, it warms my heart. I really, it really does. I just, I, I can't thank you enough. Anybody else wanting to do that can, can go to www.plasticmodelmojo.com. There's a heart in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage. It's a PayPal link. And uh, these guys have found it as along with a lot of other people. And it's, I, I just cannot believe the amount of support we've already gotten in the short time that we've had this link active. So guys, thank you. Thank you very much. It is very appreciated. And it's going to really, it really helps us with the production and the cost of hosting. And it just makes it a whole lot easier for us to bring you plastic model mojo. So thank you for being listeners. Thank you for enjoying the show and thank you for your support. Absolutely. It's 
you you all have been fantastic and and it's very flattering and really it it motivates me not only to get back to the bench and build but it motivates me every upcoming episode to sit down and work this out and record i'd like to add my thanks as well i appreciate it uh, my shout-out is related uh, slightly, which is that a number of the members uh, or a number of the listeners, I'm calling, calling our listeners members, see, it's like we're all in a big model club. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of the li- a lot of the listeners um, who build 72nd scale aircraft have come over and joined 72nd scale aircraft forum, where I'm m- the moderator now. Um, Me included. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I love that all of you are coming over and joining. Uh, it's a great place. Uh, it is a stress-free hangout to see really fantastic models, to ask questions, to learn techniques, and to share 72nd scale aircraft stuff. So, To the listeners who've been coming over, thank you. And if you haven't already come over and joined the forum, just Google 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum. You'll find the link. Come on over, join, and uh, participate in the fun. So thank you. Thank you, all of you who've come over and supported the forum. My other one is a little unorthodox. Uh, I want to thank all my non-modeler friends who are either regular or occasional listeners to this podcast. They listen to this podcast for reasons unknown to me. And maybe they'll explain it to me over some drinks at some point, but uh, either it's entertainment or to understand me better. I don't know. I've had some friends take a sincere interest in what I'm doing with this podcast as a, either as a curiosity or whatever. And they've offered plenty of encouragement and I really, really appreciate it. I'm, I tend to be kind of private not kind of private, very private, very introverted. Um, It's just the way I am. And this podcast and my scale modeling hobby is typically not an aspect of my life I tend to share with a lot of people outside the general people in the hobby. And this has been very flattering and really appreciated. So Clinton and Linda, Russ, and my wife, Robin, it really, really means a lot that you folks are out there even giving a casual listen and are supporting me in this endeavor. And it just makes it a lot more fun. I, I don't I don't know why you're listening to the podcast other than uh, wanting to be my friends. And I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I've got a funny story related to that. My <laughs> My wife does not listen to this. She knows we do a podcast. She refers to it as the Nerdcast. And, you know, I've told her the the name of the podcast several times. She's never listened to any of them. And today she asked me, she said, you know, what was the name of your podcast and how would I go about listening to it? So I told her the name was on the bench. Uh, You may have blew it, Dave. See, I want to. I can't wait for it to get a podcast or get a podcast app. Look for on the bench, download it, start listening, and wondering why you and I are talking in Australian accents. You got any more shout outs? I've got one more shout out today. 
today is a great day in 72nd scale land because uh, Arma Hobby out of Poland, who is quickly becoming my favorite model manufacturer, announced today two 72nd scale aircraft that have been in great demand among 72nd scale modelers. There are two of the giant holes that needed to be filled in 72nd scale aircraft modeling. They announced today that they are going to do a P-51B slash C in 72nd scale, and that they are going to do multiple versions of it with all the extras and changes so that you'll be able to do all of the different variants of the P-51B slash C. Additionally, they confirmed what had been rumored before that they will be doing a Dash 3 version of the F-4F Wildcat. Uh, This is the version that was in service at the time of Pearl Harbor, and basically the F-4F-3 Wildcats were the ones that carried the fight for the first year of the Pacific Conflict. And we haven't had an F-4F-3 available in 72nd scale, except as resin conversions and stuff like that. So this is a shout out to Arma Hobby. If you keep uh, announcing and releasing kits like this, particularly with the quality of your kits, uh, it's going to be tough to unseat Arma as my favorite hobby company. Well, that's interesting because I've got two... AZ models P51Bs, which mm-hmm. are which are KP KP molds, right? Malcolm Malcolm Canopy aircraft, yeah. And those are damn nice models. Really fine detail, fine panel lines. So so what's what's Armor going to be doing different? Well, there are not to get too deep in the weeds. There have been. Criticisms that the AZ kits are not accurate and have much in common with the previously available um, Ravel monogram P51 BC. Which are Uh, 50 years old. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And when the the AZ ones came out a couple of years ago, uh, there was a lot of back and forth that I really don't want to get into, but suffice it to say that some people have been somewhat critical of the AZ efforts. Okay, Um, fair enough. There's just no doubt that, or very little doubt, given what Arma has done up to now, that there's a high confidence level that both the detail and the shape will be spot on. So that's what that's what a lot of people are excited about. All right. Well, I guess I'll have to follow that a little closely because I, I like those early Mustangs a lot. Well, my final shout out is to uh, Robbie Lamasaro Jr. Uh, in New York, which is uh, Bob Lamasaro's son out of Las Vegas. Uh, he's an avid mo- armor modeler, according to Bob, and Bob turned him on to Plastic Model Mojo, and he's been spreading the word in his uh, model sphere about our podcast. So, Robbie, we appreciate it. Your dad's been a great influence uh, as far as uh, helping us promote the IPMS National Convention, and maybe we'll meet you there. 
I do want to give a quick get well wish. Uh, Joe Porsche, one of the uh, guys from out in Vegas, uh, who's been a fairly regular contributor on our uh, Facebook page, uh, he recently had uh, uh, a hospitalization uh, and he's on the mend and just want him to know that we are thinking about him and uh, uh, rooting for him to get better and get back to uh, get back to 100 percent. All right, Dave, I think we're at the absolute end of this episode. I think we have mined this one deep. So until next time, Mike, you know what they say. So many kids. So little time. All right, man. Well, we'll catch you next time. Yep. You take care. All right.